Very good. Very good. I'm glad, well, it's glad to, I'm glad to see you came back. It meant last night wasn't too terrible, and um, we'll just we'll keep going forward. Uh, I hope you enjoy these nights, and um, this is all I do for a living. I live completely by faith, and, um, and I, I do submit to the authority of three different pastors, and I also have um, a board of men that I submit to. But in terms of, of a living, this is all I do. I just travel and I live completely by faith. So the offering will take up later. That's going to determine what I live on this week after I pay my plane tickets and pay to get all that stuff here and all of that stuff. So it, it's, a, it's a faith thing. And we also take care of an orphanage. We do all kinds of things that help us um, minister to people all over the world. And so the primary way we support ourselves is through the love offerings as well as our resource table, which um, the lovely and talented Nikki Lay has, um, is, is, is looking after for me. So um, we, we'll be back there. And um, obviously these messages are just one moment, one message for one moment at one time. There's no way we could cover everything we wanted to cover. So um, if you wanted to, to, to check some of those things out, like last night's first session is in a series back there called All Access Pass. And, um, and then tonight's stuff is in a series back there on how to be a minister of the Spirit and um, a thing called Phases in the Master Plan. And so we, we've, got some, we've got things back there that help you just keep this in, in front of you. And so um, it, we can make a trade and, and you can help me go all over the world, which I think you would agree that these messages need to go all over the world. And, um, and, 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 you, and it helps you to keep this stuff in front of you. We have a thing back there on how the, how the Hebrew people do their money. Um, we've got all kinds of new stuff. I've got a, a five-disc series on, um, on the basic foundations, the eight basics of the Hebrew faith, uh, the eight basics of the faith from a Hebrew perspective. We've got a thing on leadership. We've got all kinds of things. And so um, anyway, I just commend that to you, and, and we'll go from there. All right? All right, you ready to go? You ready to go? Numbers chapter 15. I've got to revisit some topics tonight that um, I visited last time, but um, I, this is a particular topic. I visit with my folks in Charleston. I visit with them twice a year with this because it's something so important that we need to keep it in front of us twice a year. How, how many of you were here last year when I talked about the tassels? You were here when I talked about the tassels, okay? That's about half. I'm, I'm guessing about half, so about half this will be new, but about half of you, you've heard this a year ago, which means you remember almost none of it. So... We'll just um, go for it again. Because what, what we're going to talk about tonight, last year when I talked about the tassels, I talked about it from the context of healing. And tonight I want to talk about it from a little different context, about the context of what it means to minister healing, what it means to be a minister, what it means to um, come at something as a minister of the kingdom of God. So um, in Numbers chapter 15, verse 37, Numbers chapter 15 Verse 37 and following, God is um, he's setting up their way of life, and he's, he's establishing how they're going to live. And he says something like this in Numbers 15, verse 37 and following. It says, And the Lord said to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, Throughout the generations to come, you are to make tassels on the corners of your garments, with a blue cord running through each tassel. And you will have these tassels to look at, to remember the Lord your God, and not prostitute yourself by going after the lust of your own hearts and eyes. And you will have these tassels to remember that I am the Lord your God. So what they would do, there's a couple of very important words in that passage. The first word you have to know is the word talit. I wrote them up there, is the word talit, 
okay? This is a tallit. Okay, this is a tallit. It's commonly called a prayer shawl. Why not? This is what they would wear. This was their outer, one of their outer garments, okay? Now, what they saw as the, they, they saw the tallit as the presence of God. L- later on in the second session, I'm going to talk about the, the, um, some steps in a Hebrew wedding. And we, we visited that last year a little bit too, but it was only to about 30 people. And, and we have to, to be ministers of the kingdom of God, we have to understand tassels and the fact that we're a bride and what that meant Hebraically. And so we're going to have to revisit those things. And, and I want us to revisit them tonight, and it will change our lives forever. So tallit was the, the presence of God. They would use this for all kinds of things. Primarily, they would wear it they would wear it around them like this. And then they would take the tassels and they would wrap their hands in the tassels. So they would take the tassels on the end of the garments and they'd wrap their hands in it. They saw the tallit as the presence of God. One of the main uses of the tallit in that culture was um, at the fifth step of a wedding was called the chuppah. The chuppah. And, and what they would do, they had two chuppahs. And we're going to talk about this in the next session. But the second chuppah was actually this. And they would take this and they'd make a canopy over the marriage bed. They would take four stakes. They would, they would plant the stakes um, in, in the ground. They would secure the stakes around the marriage bed. And they would take the tassels and they'd wrap the tassels around the stakes so that this thing made a huge canopy over the marriage bed so that when the husband and the wife consummated their marriage for the first time, they did so underneath the presence of God. So, so they, they would do this. So they saw this as the presence of God. And the, where they got that from was an exodus when it describes the, the veil that separated the holy place from the holy of holies, it's a big one of these. So what they did was they made a microcosm of one of these, of one of those big veils, and they said, we're going to wear it all the time because that is wearing the presence of God. And, and you see this all the time in Hebrew writings. You see this Paul saying things like, put on the garment of praise, put on Christ, put off the old man, put on the presence of God. They would do this sort of stuff. And so there was all this really cool imagery with, with the prayer shawl. I'm going to get a little higher so maybe you can see this because this is small. But um, if, if you could see that, that is, um, there's five knots in that tassel. There's, so there's one, two, three, four, five. There's five knots in that tassel, one for each book of the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. So effectively what they were commanded to do is they were commanded to tie the word of God to the presence of God that they were wearing. And this is so important because how many of you realize that we can wear the presence of God in all kinds of different ways? So, so what it was doing was it was putting boundaries around how you wear and present God that you can only present the presence of God in a way that he establishes, okay? Otherwise, you'll present God in your own way, which perverts everything. I mean, come on, is this not just about the Jews? This is about me and about you and our tendency to even take God and make it about us. I mean, come on. All right, so there was five knots, um, one for each book of the Torah. There was four spaces between each knot. Those four spaces stood for the four letters in the holy name Yahweh, yud ha vav ha So there was the word of God and there was the name of God attached to you. So you would wrap the word of God and you would wrap the name of God around your hands and you would wear it. Also, to tie a tassel properly, took 613 loops. There's exactly 613 loops. There's exactly 613 commands in the, in the Torah. 
So, so you had the word of God, you had the name of God, you had the ways of God. Um, also, when you tied the tassel properly, it came off at the end with eight strands. Eight is the number of grace. It's the number of new beginnings. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. The old is gone. The new has come. It was, it was the number that they would walk when they made a covenant. They would walk in a figure eight to signify that every day before now is now gone and all the newness has come. So you had the word of God. You had the name of God. You had the ways of God. You had the grace of God. You had everything attached to you. Also, when they tied it properly... If, it, I don't know if you can see this, but there's eight strands that come off, four on each side. And on each side, it's three white strands and one blue strand. Three white strands and one blue strand. So you have three and one. So you had the nature of God, three and one. And it was on both sides. So what they said was is that on both sides of eternity, God is still the same. He doesn't change. So, so, they, so, so they, they, they had the word of God. They had the name of God. They had the ways of God. They had the grace of God. They had the nature of God all attached to them. And they would wrap their hands in these tassels. Why? So that they would remember God. They would remember that God's way brought me from darkness to light. God's way brought me from slavery to freedom. God's way brought me from Egypt to Israel. God's way brought me from slavery to the promised land. God's way is the best way for our life. That as gracious as God is and forgiving as he is, you could do anything and get forgiven with a sacrifice. Like you could, I mean, like they just bring a sacrifice and, and, and the forgiveness of God has never really been the issue. It's the best life, that God's way is the best way for our life. That way, and they would wrap their hands in it to remind themselves, why would they wrap their hands in it? Because they would do that because we're tactile beings. And it's very easy when you're going through your everyday life for something to stress you out in a moment and all of a sudden you abandon everything you believe. Am I the only one that's ever done that? Where in a moment, like, would you, do you believe doctrinally, do you believe that it's proper to be self-controlled over your anger? Of course. Has it moved to yoke yet? Hopefully to a certain, but even if it's moved to yoke, if someone presses the right button, am I the only one that's ever abandoned everything I believed and just blew up? <laughs> so they would have these tassels to help keep them from doing that. So any time, any time before they sinned with their hands, specifically sexual sin, what did they have to do? They had to unwrap God. They had to unwrap God. And so, in other words, it's not that, it's not that they didn't have God. It's that they chose to step away from his tassels. There's all kinds of, of, of imagery that, so you've got, you've got talit, you've got kanaf. The word kanaf is the word corners, so they had to sew tassels on the corner of their garment. The word zitziot is the word tassels. So you had talit, kanaf. Now the word kanaf meant corners, corners, borders, hem, or over time it started to mean wings. It started to mean wings. And the reason is, is because when they would bless people, they would, let me just show you real quick, when they would bless people, how kanaf started to mean wings. 
and they were pronounced. You see how that started to mean wings. So there was all kinds of this cool imagery around this, like under the shadow of his wings. It means under the word of God, the name of God, the ways of God, the grace of God, and the nature of God. Has anybody ever heard of going into your prayer closet? This is what they would do. They would place themselves underneath the authority of the name of God, the word of God, the ways of God, the grace of God, and the nature of God. Uh, Remember there was this one place where um, Saul was chasing a guy named David. He was chasing, he was trying to kill him. And it says that Saul went in to use the toilet. He went in to use the bathroom. The actual Hebrew there is he went in to cover his feet, which is disgusting. I guess you'll get that in a second. Um, So he, he goes in to cover his feet, and it says that David sneaks up behind him and he cuts off the corner of his garment. Well, if Saul is the king of Israel, what is attached to the corner of his garment? Tassels. The word of God, the name of God, the ways of God, the grace of God, the nature of God. David cuts the tassels off. Saul finishes using the bathroom, and he puts his garment back on, and he walks out, and he has no tassels. And David is standing in, in, in the distance going, hey, man, um, in other words, I've got your anointing now. What you used to be called to do, I am called to do, and there's nothing you can do about it. I've got your anointing. And, and so, so it had nothing to do with David could have killed him and just didn't. It had everything to do with, with the anointing and with what, how Saul was carrying God, that Saul was carrying the presence of God without the disposition of Messiah, which was the compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and forgiveness God, Exodus 34, 6 and 7. The Lord, the Lord, he is the compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love God. Now, now, now an interesting thing happened in regards to Jesus. There was a prophecy. All these prophecies were given about Messiah. But one of the last prophecies, probably is the last prophecy in the Old Testament, about who Messiah would be. It says this. It's in Malachi chapter 4, verse 2. And you'll recognize it as soon as I start saying it. There will come from God a son of righteousness with healing in his wings. The word is kanaf. There will come from God a son of righteousness with healing in his kanaf. Now, if the Messiah is a Jewish Messiah, what would he have attached to his kanaf? Tassels. So whoever Messiah is, there'll be healing in his kanaf. There'll be healing in his wings. Now follow me here. Jesus said, Jesus said that the kingdom of God is not this way or that or up or down, but the kingdom of God is actually within you. So you can look this way, you can look that, you can look up, you can look down, and you'll never find the kingdom of God because the kingdom of God is actually in the last place you'll look for it. It's actually within you. A, a later writer said that Christ in me is the hope of glory. So where does Jesus live today? In us, he's in all of us. He's replicating himself. We talked about that last night. He's replicating himself to the world through us. So if there's healing in his tassels and he lives in us, then does it stand to reason that if we will commit to wrapping our lives in the tassels, there will be healing in our hands as well? 
that, that, that the potential to be a minister of kingdom power comes only from a decision to have our life wrapped in the word of God, the name of God, the ways of God, the grace of God, and the nature of God, to have our hands wrapped in the disposition of Messiah, the compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and forgiveness God. Does it stand to reason that if we have Jesus living inside of us and there's healing in his tassels, that a simple decision to have our life wrapped in the tassels, that the only thing that we have the authority to serve is the tassel everything else that we serve in our life is a result of us unwrapping God. Do, do you, let's, let's get real practical here. Do, do you have a right to serve anger to someone who disappoints you? No, you've just unwrapped the tassels. Do, do you have a right to be judgmental and critical towards somebody? No, you've just unwrapped the tassels. Do you have a right to turn your back on the cry of the hungry? I'm talking about legitimate needy people who absolutely will not eat without your help. Do you have a right to turn your back on that if you have the means to do it? Absolutely not. You have to have your life wrapped in the tassels. Everything we do has to be wrapped in the tassels. So let's ask ourselves a hard question tonight. Where in our lives have we rationalized unwrapping God? Where have we done that? Where have we, where have we I don't know, bought into the yoke of our denomination? Where have we bought into the yoke of a certain belief system? Where have we bought into the yoke of our father, the yoke of our mother, the, the yoke of some binding and loosing that took place that doesn't fit with the tassels? Where have we wrapped our hands in God and where have we rationalized unwrapping them? And I guarantee you this, wherever we have unwrapped the tassels, in those areas in our life, there's chaos and uncompletion. That in those areas in our life, we're actually journeying away from wholeness. That God has called us to lead people on a journey to wholeness, including ourselves, and the areas in our life where we've rationalized unwrapping God for whatever reason. I've had a stressed out day. Don't you know it's okay for me to be angry today? I'm stressed out. Wherever we. Don't you know? I sat with a guy once. He was 52. 52 at the time, and we were praying for him, and um, it was a lady who did deliverance, and I'd never met this lady before, but she was very good and very much the real deal, and um, she had never met this man before, and I was with this guy who was very close to me. He's 52 at the time, and this man had been um, put in hospitals three and four or five times in his life for clinical depression, and um, and, you know, you just don't know what to do at some point. And so she came over to him and never met him before. And she said, when you grew up, you grew up in a yellow house with old wooden paneling. And I'm seeing you curled up in the floor over by the stove in your den area. And you're, you're curled up. And your father, you're nine years old, and your father came in and he said this to you. And she quoted something his dad had said to him when he was nine. And this man, who I knew very well, and he's the real deal, he started breaking down, and I'm talking crying to the point of stuff coming out of his nose, out of his mouth, everything. And he got healed that day. He got healed that day. See, one of the big temptations of unwrapping the tassels is this. We tell ourselves, it's just between me and God, and God will forgive me. And it's never, if it's just between you and God, do whatever you want to do. God can handle you. 
But it is not just between you and God. It is between you and God and everyone you come into contact with. That man's dad was a good man, and he likely, when he walked out of that room, he told himself, oh, it's just between me and God, and God will forgive me. But he ruined a nine-year-old for 43 years. Hmm. It's not between you and God. It's never just one more beer. It's never just one more drink. It's never just one more phone call. It's never just one more piece of cake. I, I may as well just throw that in. Uh. Yeah. It, it's, it's, never, it's never one more credit card purchase. It, it's never one more thing you can't afford. I mean, am I the only person who unwrapped God because I wanted to impress somebody? Am I the only person that's ever bought something I couldn't afford with money I don't have to impress people I don't like? <laughs> and, and, and then at the end of all that, when, when we pay for that with consequences, we sit back and we go, God, why isn't there wholeness in my life? Oh, God, why isn't there wholeness in my life? And the truth is, it's just because I've unwrapped the tassels that I've taken the word of God, the name of God, the grace of God, the nature of God, and the ways of God. I've taken that off of me to do my own thing. In the book of Numbers, chapter 15, God says, I want you to have tassels so that you'll never go after your own way. You will stay after mine. Why? Because my way is the best way for our life. So what would happen? I'm not telling us to wear tassels. I obviously don't walk around wearing this. I'm talking about in your heart. What would happen if you had something that reminded you every day, Jesus' way is the best way for my life? And, and if I want to be a minister who brings wholeness and healing to every situation, I promise you, if you just do a mental inventory right now, every place in our life where we keep our hand wrapped in the tassels, every person you touch in that context actually gets whole. And every place in your life where we rationalize unwrapping the tassels, that's where there's chaos, strife, and envy, and all those other things, turmoil, strife, stress, anxiety. All of those things are coming somewhere from us or somebody else. I mean, how many of us have ever been a victim of strife and stress because someone else unwrapped the tassels? <laughs> well, the same thing's true with us. Look at Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. So over the years, this legend developed that this Messiah would come and there would be healing in his tassels. In other words, there's healing in the word of God, the name of God, the ways of God, and the grace of God as it is attached to Messiah. In other words, the way Jesus wore the presence of God brings healing. And the way you can wear the presence of God can bring healing too if you wear it this way. It's the disposition of Messiah. And I'm not talking about just healing. I'm talking about wholeness. I'm talking about emotional wholeness without one missing piece. If you look at Jesus, Jesus was concerned with people's physical healing, and he dealt with that. But bigger than that, he spoke to their emotional health. Why? Because one day we're all going to die anyway. And what's a few years extra life in terms of eternity? Why would God want to give you 15 more years, although he does that to people? Why would he want to give you 15 more years? Is it that important to God? Not really. It's that important to you. 
Because the truth is, is we're going to spend eternity with him anyway. What Jesus is more concerned with is that the life you live now has quality of emotional health. Okay, in Mark chapter 5, this is so cool. Mark chapter 5, verse 21 and following. Now, I'm just going to tell the story. You can kind of just kind of, you know, know where I'm at by, by this. It, it, it starts out with saying that there was this guy named Jarius, okay? And Jarius came and asked Jesus to come pray for his daughter. Jarius was a big-time synagogue ruler. And, and Jarius comes, and he says, Jesus, I want you to come pray for my daughter. She's on the point of death. So Jesus says, okay, this is what we'll do. I, I'll go pray for your daughter. Now, all of Mark chapter 5 is all about him going to Jairus' daughter. It's all about that. Now, what happens on the way to Jairus' daughter is so spectacular that a lot of times we stop there. But the whole story is about Jesus going to Jairus' daughter. So it's very important that we understand that Jesus is going to Jairus' daughter because we have to know he's going to Jairus' daughter. Am I being clear enough? So where is he going? Jairus' daughter. I say that again. Jarius's daughter. So Jesus is walking along and he's on his way to Jarius's daughter and he gets interrupted. He gets interrupted, which is a good lesson for us that sometimes the greatest moves of God come in interruptions. Sometimes the greatest move of God comes in interruptions. That if we're so task-oriented, that any little thing that throws us off our schedule, if we get stressed out by that, sometimes we miss God's greatest grace. Jesus is on his way to Jairus' daughter. And, and there's a whole big crowd behind him. And it said that there was a lady there who, who had an issue of blood for 12 years. She has an issue of bleeding for 12 years. Now, now, now we have to understand something. that um, uh, the, the, the Two words you have to understand in this passage or you can't understand that chapter and that is Tamay and Tehor. Tamay and Tehor. Tamay meant unclean. T-A-M-E-I. Tamay meant unclean. Tehor means clean. So you had Tamay or you were Tehor. Everybody was either Tamay or Tehor. Lepers had to walk through town and said, Tamay, 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 unclean, unclean, unclean. The problem with Tamay was it was very contagious. We, we define sin so poorly. If I was to give a survey in most churches and I say, would you please define sin in one sentence, you would hear mostly things like this. Sin are the bad things that we do that are against what God would want us to do. That's not a bad definition of sin. It's just not complete. Our, is sin the bad things we do? Yes. But it's much bigger than that. Sin was anything that wasn't perfect. Sin is anything that isn't perfect. In the book of Leviticus, it says it's a sin for a person to have dandruff. So check your neighbor out. See if they're in sin right now. Just kind of check them out. Yeah? Sin to have dandruff. Yeah? It, it, was a sin, it was a sin to have dim eyes. So if you need eyeglasses, it's Tamay. It's unclean. It, it, was a, it, it, it made you Tamay. It made you Tamay to have a period. So if you're here tonight and you have a period every month, that would make you Tamay. Yeah. You say, well, goodness me. It, 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 was, it was a sin. It, it was a sin to give birth. 
is a sin to give birth. Yeah. In Leviticus chapter 12, verse 6 and 7, it says um, something like this. Um, I'm paraphrasing something like this. It says, after a woman gives birth, she has to bring a sin offering to atone for her loss of blood. Yeah. Because why? Because to give birth the way we give birth was a result of sin. Did God intend for you to have hard labor in birth? No. No, he didn't intend for that. He, 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 so it was a result of sin. It made you unclean. It made you unclean. It was a sin to touch someone who, had had, who was on their monthly period. So if you just bumped into someone who was on their monthly period, it, it made you Tame as well. Because Tame was very contagious. So if she has dandruff, if I just touch her, now I am unclean and I have to go offer sacrifices to make myself clean again. Um, if, 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 if someone's on their monthly period and, and I touch them, I actually become unclean. Like, what did you do? Wear a sign? What would you do? Like, there, it, it, was, um, it was a sin. It was a sin to touch furniture that a woman who had had a period in the last three days had sat on. Yeah. Like, it, like, it was a sin to touch furniture where a married couple had been intimate in the last three days. Like, what did you do? Put a sign up? Hmm? I, I was teaching this once at a pastor's home, and he made everybody get off the couch. And he was like 76. I was like, good for you. You're 76 and you're still having sofa sex. That is so great. That's just fantastic, isn't it? Um, So, so everything made you Tame. Like all these things made you Tame, and Tame was so contagious, you could catch it at any moment. Now, understanding that about this culture, you have a lady who's had an issue of bleeding for 12 years. What does that make her? Tame. So she's elbowing her way through the crowd. What's happening to every person she's touching? They're becoming unclean. Now, I want you to understand the emotional ramifications of having an issue of bleeding for 12 years in that culture. Once people found out, she would be declared Tame and would not have allowed to have been perfect, purposely touched in 12 years. So for 12 years, when she walked into a room, people would have put their hands behind their back and walked away. Can you imagine the emotional rejection? Most rabbis would have given her husband a certificate of divorce, a right to divorce her simply because he could not touch her without becoming unclean himself. Therefore, he had a right to leave. So likely, in 12 years, she would have been divorced. She would have been not purposely touched in 12 years. Can you imagine the emotional pain she would have been dealing with? The rejection. She elbows her way through the crowd to a man named Jesus who is on his way where? So she's going to disturb him. And she reaches up. And it says she grabs the hem of his garment. So if he's the Messiah, what is found in his tassels? Healing. 
So why would she grab them? This was a culture of people who memorized everything about Messiah. She knew if this is the one, he's going to have healing in his tassels. And if I can just get a hold to them, I'll be healed. It was a faith move. It was publicly saying, this is the one. So she reaches up and she grabs the tassels and Jesus breaks form, doesn't he? Like when Jesus healed people, what did he normally say? don't tell anybody. Like that was his whole marketing strategy. Tell people not to say anything and he knew they would. (laughs) Same thing. Same thing today. Same thing today. But here he breaks form, doesn't he? What does he do? He's like, who touched me? Who touched me? Power has left from me. Which totally breaks form, doesn't it? Doesn't it totally break form with Jesus? Who touched me? Who touched me? That doesn't sound like Jesus. That sounds like Obi-Wan Kenobi. (laughs) Who touched me? Who touched me? Power has left from me. Everybody look over here. This lady with an issue of blood, she just touched me. Why would a rabbi do that? Why would a first century rabbi draw attention to the fact that an unclean person had just touched him. What will everybody think of him? Everybody will think he's unclean. Now it's important theologically to know she got healed immediately. So did Jesus become unclean? No. Did everybody think he did? Yes. It's very important. And so so he turns to the lady and he speaks to her and he doesn't speak physical healing to her. Although she was already healed, he says, go in peace. In other words, shalom. In other words, go in wholeness without one missing piece. Let me say it this way. Lady, go and be whole. Go and whoever your next husband is, don't make him pay for the rejection this one did to you. Uh, Lady, go and, and don't be bitter about the way people treated you for 12 years. Lady, go with peace in your heart. Go in shalom. Now, where was Jesus going? Jairus' daughter. So while he's still speaking, the people from Jairus' house show up. And they say, what do they say to Jairus? Do you guys know the story? They say, Jairus, your daughter is dead. Why bother the rabbi anymore? Which is a bit insensitive, isn't it? Jesus was on his way there. This crazy lady with an issue of blood for 12 years stopped Jesus, interrupted him, and now my daughter's dead. Jarius, your daughter is dead. Why bother the rabbi anymore? Which is totally insensitive. Unless you understand that according to Levitical law, it was against the law to knowingly walk into a room where a dead body was. You could not knowingly walk into a room where a dead body was without becoming unclean unless you were already considered unclean by the public. Jesus was smart. Who touched me? Everybody look over here. Who touched me? This lady with an issue of blood, she just touched me. Why? Because he needed everybody to think he was unclean, so they'd let him in the room. He was one step ahead. But he covers his bases, doesn't he? 
He says, oh, she's not dead. She's just asleep. <laughs> wink, wink. And it says, but they all laughed at him. So he put them all out, except for James and John, or Peter, James, and John. It says they put them all out, except for Peter, James, and John. Now I want you to look, look, at, look at your Bible and look at, look at verse 40. Mark 5, verse 40. And they laughed and jeered at him, but he put them all out. And taking the child's father and mother and those who were with him, he went into where the little girl was lying, so they let him in the room. And he took her by the hand. Now we have a real problem, don't we? If it's against the law to walk into a room where a dead body is, is it against the law to touch one? You better believe it. If she doesn't get up immediately, then Jesus' whole mission on earth is hurt. Because he can't be an unclean sacrifice. So if he took her by the hand and he's following their Torah, what does he have wrapped around his hand? There will come from God a son of righteousness with healing in his wings. So he, took, he takes her by the hand. And look what he says. Now, wait, wait, wait. First, look up here. Look at the words. Talit, kanaf, tassels. Talit, look what he says. And he took her by the hand and he said to her, Talit ha kum. In, in other words, let me say it this way. Little girl, my child, the presence of God is here. Talit ha kum. My child, the presence of God is here. Get up. As ministers in the kingdom of God, and she gets up. As ministers in the kingdom of God, it is our only right to serve the tassels. It is our right. It is my job tonight to look at you and say, Talit ha kum. My child, the presence of God, is here. Get up. And it is my job, and it is your job, it is our responsibility, that tonight to our husband and our wife, tomorrow to our coworkers, to anybody who comes in our contact, that our hands stay wrapped in the tassels. And as our hands are wrapped in the tassels, they're still healing in his wings. Is the message on your life, Talit ha kum. Does everybody who comes into your contact, do they get the message, the presence of God is here, get up, it's going to be okay, you're going to make it, Talit ha kum, my child, the presence of God is here. That in learning to be a minister of the Spirit of God, the most basics of all of it. Before I could teach anybody how to pray for people, before I can teach any of that, we have to come to a place inside of ourselves where we realize that our sole responsibility is keeping our hands wrapped in the tassels. So where are you tonight? Are, are your hands wrapped in the tassels? Or where in your life are your hands wrapped in something else? 
There's a later place where Jesus is teaching in Peter's home and they lower a paralyzed guy in by the roof. By the four corners of his mat, they tie ropes to the four corners of his mat and they lower him down. Now, knowing what you know now, why did they do that instead of just lowering him down by his hands? Because they couldn't touch him. Why couldn't they touch him? Because they'd be Tamay. It was Tamay to be crippled. So he's standing there and this guy appears. And Jesus says, your sins, in English it says, your sins are forgiven. In Hebrew he would have said, let that which is Tameh be made Tehor. Let that which is unclean be called clean. And remember how crazy they went? They're like, you can't call him Tehor! He's crippled! It's obvious he's crippled. So Jesus said, what's easier to say? Let that which is Tameh be made Tehor? Or get up and walk? Obviously, it's easier to say, let that which is Tameh be made Tehor. Obviously. Because who really knows? But if you say, get up and walk, Jack, somebody's going to know. And it says, so that you may know that I am who I say I am. It says he reached down and he took him by the hand. What would have been wrapped around his hands? Tassels. It took him by the hand and the guy got up and walked. One touch from Jesus Christ makes everything that is Tameh Tehor. Why? Because Jesus can't touch an unclean thing. We are his hands. We are his feet. And if we're the hands of Jesus Christ, if our hands stay wrapped in the tassels, then there's healing in his wings. Everybody with me? Let's go before God now. Let's have a moment with God, and then we'll take a break and come back for our second session. But I want to close this out just with a moment with God, between you and God. And what I'm going to do on the break is I'm going to leave this up here. And maybe you need a moment with the tassels. I, I do it regularly. Not because there's anything special about these tassels, but it just reminds me that God's way is the best way for my life. And my best life is found in living a compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love way. So, sometimes, because uh, I don't wear this, it, 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 this will be in my closet, in my wardrobe. And, and, and I'll be getting dressed and something will be irritating me. And, and I'll start to get angry or anxietous or whatever. And I'll be looking for a shirt. And I'll look up and the tassels will poke themselves out. And I'll remember that whoever I'm fixing to meet with that is under my skin, that I have no right but to wrap my hand in the tassels and to deal with them with a compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love way. Yeah. That, that our life, if our life can be defined by the tassels, then we will be made whole and we will be an instrument of God in making people whole. That we can go tonight in shalom. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we um, come to you and we proclaim that you are the king of the universe. That you're the king of the universe and, and we are not. And Lord, um, right now we just ask for forgiveness for where we've unwrapped the tassels. Where we've rationalized being something other than what you've called us to be. 
Forgive us, Lord. And right now, I just want you to ask the Lord. I want you to ask, the, just right there under your breath, just quietly before you and God, say, Lord, what would my life look like if it was wrapped in the tassels? What would my life look like if it was wrapped in the tassels? Where in my life right now have I unwrapped the tassels? Where do I need to wrap them back? Compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. Where do I need to serve wholeness? There's healing in his wings. I proclaim to you tonight as people of God, Talit Ha-Kum. My child, the presence of God is here. Now we can go in shalom. I pray that you would just minister that peace over this. I can just feel the presence of God now. And it comes all the way through this place. Yes, you can. You can just feel that presence. It's just coming through this place. God is letting you go in shalom tonight. And you just let that settle over you. As we take our break tonight, we'll make the break, last night we made the break 15 minutes, tonight we'll make it somewhere around 20 to 25 because I'm ending a little early because I want this to be the case. If you just want to go to your break, that's fine. Go with the Lord. But if you need a moment with God up here, and if you need to have a moment maybe on your knees or standing, you need to have a moment with the tassels to remind yourself that God's way is the best way for your life. I want you to be able to have a private moment with God. So with that in mind, Lord, I pray that you'd send us to this break. Bless the food and the tea and um, just anything we're going to drink or eat. Would you just bless it to our body? Thank you so much for being a provider. And you're just the best. You're just the best. Thank you for making us Tehor. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.